trail. Like, one thing. yeah, that was the first time I also had electrolytes on trail. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Big day for Carrie. Yeah. I Molly used to get these electrolytes that oh. tasted like horse urine. <laughs> and I was like, nah, I don't need them that bad. Hi, I'm Carrie. And I'm Molly. And you're listening to the Two Sisters on Adventure podcast. On Adventures podcast. The Oregon Sampler Pack, The Wallawas, Day Two. So we woke up, and I'm saying that in quotation marks on day two, woke up. I think I was up that whole night, which would become a theme for me this trip sometime, and that actually is going to culminate in some stuff happening later. But um, I worked, like I said, oh, did you work nights, Carrie? You've never said that before. Um, I worked one week on, one week off of nights, so I'd always flip back and forth between sleeping at night and being awake at night for work, and um, honestly... Uh, I feel like that was a great thing for me to do in terms of like learning how to control my own mind because, um, you have to be so careful when you work nights and you're flipping back and forth to just, um, not let yourself get weird, I guess. <laughs> like I, I really appreciate the time that I spent working nights because it really taught me that I have to like control my thoughts. Like if I found myself being extremely anxious, a lot of the time I'd say to myself, okay, Carrie, well, you haven't been sleeping well, you know, you just skipped an entire night of sleep because you're working. And so like this whole thing that you're like obsessing over or fretting about, you need to put away and you can take it back out and think about it. Like once you've had a few good nights of sleep. Now, the hard piece about that is when you go directly from working nights and you get your one night of night sleeping in a bed and then you go backpacking. Sometimes maybe you didn't have that good of a flip from sleeping during the day to sleeping at night. And then, you know, there's a thunderstorm, so you didn't sleep that great that night. And so I feel like um, this whole time we backpacked this week, I vividly remember just being like awake most of the nights. And I think that it kind of just weighed on me daily. The whole like um, just being so mentally exhausted and being like physically tired a little bit as well and carrying seven and a half pounds of milk. (laughs) But um So when I say woke up, to wrap up that whole conversation, um, we had been awake. Exactly. But we finally got up in the morning, got our stuff together, and it was kind of, the weather was not looking great. The clouds were rolling in. We knew that there was a forecast of thunderstorms. But that's also tricky because right now we're going to go to a pass that's at 8,800 feet. And in the Wallawas, that's honestly well above tree line. Like, I think there was about two miles of it we're going to be above tree line. And so you never want to be caught above tree line in a thunderstorm because then you're the tallest thing. Exactly. So it kind of was already feeling a little bit stressful that morning. Definitely. And I don't have too many vivid memories from that Me morning. Either. Other Me than either. what you described. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. I don't think it had even started to rain, but it was cloudy. And I mean, I don't even know if we used our inReach forecast at Honestly, this time. I think we left kind of late that morning and you can double verify this. But I think we left late that morning because we kept thinking that it was going to rain. So if it was going to rain, we were going to hang out. And then it just never rained. So we said, shoot, we better put on our backpacks and get going because it still is not raining. Do you have a time for Honestly, when we started that and day? I'd have to do a conversion because I'm not Ooh, quite certain yeah. if my Sunto app. Let me see here. I think you're right. Okay, so Ooh. we initially departed from our campsite. I want to say it was about... a. L- mm. About 9 a.m., okay, which is not, not terrible, <laughs> but so we departed from our campsite at 9 a.m., and we s- hiked 
almost a mile, probably about a half mile. We had just gotten past the point of the resort and all of a sudden there was this massive clap of thunder and the clouds were rolling in. And so at that point we kind of sheltered in place because we didn't know exactly what we should do because I think we were texting our mom because at this point well, we th- and reaching her. Sorry, we thought that this was our big mistake for this month. Uh, we thought that using our Garmin inReach to text someone else to get a forecast was cheaper than getting a forecast, and it turns out that was backwards. And Although, we spent again, a lot of money, but the inReach forecast is not, not reliable. reliable. So, you know, if you're looking at the NOAA Weather Service specific geographic location, that'll be fine. But I think that our mom was looking at the forecast for Joseph, Oregon. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't really that accurate, anyways, but maybe she was at around Polaris Pass. Regardless, she was telling us that there was a thunderstorm coming through and that it was supposed to be kind of like for a couple hours. Um, And so we actually kind of sheltered in place and we didn't actually depart Aneroid Lake until almost 11 a.m. So it was a pretty late start. It was a a late start that day. I think it was just hard. It's hard to make up your mind sometimes in weather situations like that. And it's hard when it's the first day. So it's like you don't really know what your pace is going to be like. The mileage is already looking longer than you thought it was going to be. Um, and so I think, you know, we had started up the trail and then when we were kind of, when that big lightning started happening, I had actually, before we got on this trip, because I knew there was a chance of thunderstorms, uh, kind of Googled like, what are you supposed to do when there's thunderstorms and you're out backpacking? So that's kind of how I knew about like, you don't want to be above tree line, which we also didn't know where the tree line ended was <laughs> another like variable for us. Yeah. Cause we thought about like, well, what if we just go up to the end of the trees and then we hang out there until it's done? Um, but I had read that when there's a lightning storm that's very close to you, you're supposed to like do the lightning safety squat. Number and, one, you're supposed to make sure your trekking yeah, poles are far away. And from also you. your backpack. Cause a lot of the time your frame has metal in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're supposed to get rid of all the metal and then you are supposed to spread out, not be like all clustered in one group. And you're supposed to crouch with your ankles together, which is a very challenging <laughs> balance exercise, by the way, even well, for the physical therapist I hike with. <laughs> and it, you know, when you first hear the lightning and you chuck your poles and you yeah, get your like, backpack <laughs> off um, and you get into the safety squat, you're like, I'm doing it. My ankles are touching. I'm squat- squatting down. And and then when you've been like that for five minutes, you're like, huh, what? Yeah. How long do I have to do this? An hour? <laughs> and it gets a little bit shaky. And I feel like we were still in kind of good spirits because we knew we looked just like ridiculous. Yeah. So we were kind of laughing about it. There were some hikers that came down and they were like, yeah, we made it over the pass. And we're just like hustling downhill because it's definitely like decent lightning and thunder out there. So I feel like we stayed there for a while and until the I, thunderstorm I started passed. to get in this like headspace where I was like, do we even venture out today? Like if it's just supposed to be a thunderstorm and we have to cover all this terrain above tree line, yeah. is it even a good idea? And so my suggestion, my pitch was that we just pitch our tent at Aneroid Lake again and play face tin all day long in the tent with Rachel. Uh, and Rachel's tent because it's bigger. And I, uh, Carrie and Rachel didn't want to do that, I guess. Yeah, well, we had... I knew that we needed to keep somewhat near our itinerary if we wanted to finish the trail. And so to, like, abandon that itinerary on day one just felt frustrating to yeah. me. Yeah. And we needed to go what we thought was going to be 12 miles to Glacier Lake, but ended up being 14 and a half, by the way. Yeah. So we ended up... Actually, I also had read that sometimes if you sit, like, on a sit pad, you're insulating your body from the ground. So I think that we got out, like, our pillows and sat on those for a while. And did we talk about why your ankles should be touching? You tell me. 
Apparently it's because if the lightning strikes you, you want it to travel through your body into the ground. And if your legs are apart, it might go in and then back out through yeah. you. <laughs> no, it would go out and then back in through you. Well, into the ground. You're a, you're a circuit, yeah. basically. Yeah, so yeah. it might turn you into a circuit. So you want to keep everything touching, like, the ankles together so that the lightning just goes into the ground through you. And to be Scary. honest, have I ever read a study on, like, oh, a person was struck by lightning while doing that and their outcome was better than a person who was squatting with their ankles apart? I actually haven't. I need to go research that. Yeah. Because I'm just curious now. But anyway, they did say that, like, another option was to sit on something that insulates you from the ground. So I think we got out our, our pillows and stuff. And, and another piece as well, when we climbed Half Dome back in 2019, oh, yeah. the ranger gave us information about, like, if you, if you were on Half Dome at the time... Like, if you're able to get off of Half Dome, I mm-hmm. think you're supposed yeah. to. And but they, then, they don't want you touching the cables. That's though. true. So, so if you're on the top of Half... Like, if you're on the Sub Dome, I think they'd say just get down. Yeah. But I think if you're on the top of Half Dome, don't go back to the cables because those that's conduct true. electricity very and well. And then is it the case that you want to insulate yourself from the ground? Or is it with granite that it actually conducts electricity differently? Granite conducts electricity very well. And yeah. so uh, up there, they had told us, like, you need to get on your pack your pack yeah. or a jacket or something to yeah. insulate yourself also from the ground. and so yeah. just interesting things to be aware of if yeah. you're venturing into high country that also includes granite uh which once again we were kind of in that element yeah so i mean and again like how much can you really protect yourself from lightning only so much yeah but it it was on one hand, it was, like, stressful, but on the other hand, I was just like, oh, I'm so thankful that I looked this up beforehand so that we didn't have to just be like, what do we do? And I do feel like a common theme of this trip is, like, something would come up, and it's our first time backpacking, yeah. and we'd be like, our first longer whoa, trip. What do, yeah, our first longer trip. Whoa, what do we do? And a lot of it was things that we'd already kind of researched in advance. Yeah. Especially and Carrie, the me, researcher. But yeah. I was kind of trying to be nice. Anyway. And so it was, I think it was still raining, but yeah. I think it seemed like the lightning had really passed. And yes. so we decided, okay, we'll head up towards Polaris Pass. Um, and so once again, it was and, like 11 f- yeah. or sorry, 1040 AM when we did that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we headed up and I remember as we were walking, there was still some heavy rain, but once we got to the point where the tree line, like the trees ended, I think it was less rain and just yeah. more clouds at that point. And we felt pretty good about the fact that the su- thunderstorm had actually passed through. And in my memory, we actually stood at the edge of the trees until the heavy downpour stopped. I do remember that yeah. happening. And my, yeah, my raincoat was actually really great. Or was it not? So this was prior to the, um, so REI has a sale, I think sometimes in August and I had got, um, one of their Gore-Tex jackets right beforehand. And so I had a, was rocking a Gore-Tex rain jacket and you had kind of a, I was really wet actually. Yeah. Carrie got really wet. I really loved my Gore-Tex jacket and Carrie ended up buying one Mm -hmm. before we went on our next trip. So that was kind of a nice gear experience. Mm -hmm. As Carrie said, we waited for the heavy downpour to pass right at the edge of treeline. And as that passed, we began to venture even higher uh, into the Wallawas. And as we said before, the top of Polaris Pass is sitting right under 8,900 feet. And so we were kind of at this position where we were at and above 8,000 feet for several miles climbing up to the top of the pass. Mm -hmm. And I would say there are several locations that are kind of favorites for me in the Wallawas in the trip that we did. And this section, um, kind of the... 
uh, probably two miles to the east of Polaris Pass was just beautiful. There were no trees. It was these grassy slopes. Um, would Water. you say they were kind of like U-shaped valleys? Yeah, definitely glacial. Oh, man. And it was, it was just beautiful. And then at one point, as we were getting closer to the pass, the clouds kind of started to break. And we had this element of some sunshine with the moisture still in the air. And it kind of felt like, I don't know, I've... I don't know what country I felt like I was in, but it was like a whole different place. And yeah. it was just everywhere that I looked, it was beautiful. And I don't know if you mentioned that the rocks were so colorful. One thing that's interesting is this is a less popular pass I found in yeah. most of my research because people typically want to see Glacier Lake and Eagle Cap. And so a lot of the time, I think they come in the West Fork of the yep, Wallawas is what I want to say. Mm-hmm. And so on the um, when you come in on the East Fork, it was actually a pretty quiet trail. Like we didn't see a ton of people no, on the trail. There was only a couple of people camping. And then when we were going over Aneroid Pass, we saw those hikers coming uh, down. Polaris but, or Sorry, Pass? Polaris Pass. Um, but we didn't really see anybody else going up. And then, um, and as we went over the pass, there was just one other group there, but I feel like I love that area so much because it was a perfect combination of moody and cloudy, but with incredible visibility. And it was really fascinating because it was almost like a transitional area. Aneroid Lake had granite peaks that surrounded it. Um, one in particular that I'm thinking of. And then in this area that we were at before we got up to Polaris Pass, like I said, it was really grassy hillsides up there. Mm-hmm. And then the peaks on either side of Polaris Pass are actually more of a brown stone. Mm-hmm. And then as we came down into kind of the area where the West Fork of the Wallowa River Trail is, that's when it got more to the, like, a lot more gle- um granite peak so it was just really interesting because the coloring was different the terrain was different and if I could do it again I would definitely want to incorporate that pass yeah people talked about it being kind of sketchy and so we um we had to understand what that meant to us that day but I would say that approaching it from the east side going west the footing was really good uh at one point I remember seeing like as we were getting closer to the pass and it kind of reminds me of a pass in the Sierras even Mm -hmm. I don't know which one but we saw this these people standing at the top and they looked like little ants yeah. and I was like, Oh, like that's Wait, where we're, we're going. going. Up there. <laughs> and I did you already say that it's at eighty eight or eighty nine hundred feet? I did, yeah. Okay. It's it's like my watch had tracked it at like maybe eight thousand eight hundred and ninety. Yeah. So it's just so shy it's, of eighty nine hundred. Quite, quite a high pass for Oregon. Oregon's yeah. not like got the highest passes. And um yeah, I just loved going up there and I think that is one that's totally worthwhile to incorporate. And people did say it was sketchy, right? Which this is kind of our uh, introduction into uh, you can read other reviews and and utilize them and take them with a grain of salt and make your own decisions and based on your experiences. And the sketchy element of it is the descent. Mm-hmm. So going to the west yeah. from the top of the pass, which I guess, I mean, we hung out up there for a little bit. Not I think. very long because the clouds were rolling in. Yeah. And like when we had been going up, we were going up. Like we were being very efficient because yes. we were trying to get over it before there were any more thunderstorms yep, or anything. We were trying to minimize yeah. our time. In so up top, terrain. I feel like all we did was snap a few photos and talk to some people who I were up there, right. shove a few candies in our mouth. <laughs> we and hadn't then, really optimized what we were eating on trail yet. Like honestly, even in terms of candies that yeah, we brought. Yeah. And so when we started the descent and the kind of the area that felt like I just needed to focus more on my footing was initially going down. There was like one 
long switch back and it's through an area of terrain that's basically a kind of a talus slope and so but it was like definitely a lot less of a stable talus slope than i'm used to yeah and so the trail is pretty narrow and there were like three sections that i can remember where the rocks just felt really loose and if you look down the hillside it's just like a loose rock hillside so if you were to do like a big old oopsie like your leg goes out from under you it felt like one could slide but we were fine the entire time interesting piece was there was a second group that was ahead of us and they were trying to be fast as well and i think the one thing in the wallawas is oh my gosh the switchbacks there could almost kill a person they are so long but I do no my best due to just the yeah, frustration. Just, yeah, actually, though, it never ends. The safety it is there. It's horse grade. Yeah. Uh, it could, um, in terms of drama, kill a person from from their own personal, you know, like hysterics um, <laughs> at the length. But it was like um, it's all horse, like horse grade, right? Horses can go on uh, yeah. that path based on my understanding. So it's like you're going on these forever switchbacks, and the, the footing felt a little bit unsolid. But I watched a person try to cut the switchback. Do you remember oh. that? And that was, like, actually scary. I felt yes. like his leg was going in, like, a hole. Yep. And then the rocks were sliding. Yeah. And I was so grateful that we weren't lower than him because yeah. the rocks were rolling down. And I was just, yeah. like, sometimes, yes, it can be very frustrating to follow a long switchback. But especially on, like, a talus slope like that, it's there for a reason. The trail is actually there. They took a moment to put it into the mountainside. Honestly, yeah. So please just just take that because I honestly felt like that guy could have injured himself, but he didn't. So that was good. And I'm looking back at a couple pictures cause I'm trying to see when the sky started to break and the sun came out. And I think it was about a good, probably two hours after we were at the top of Polaris pass. Mm-hmm. And so it's a fun kind of transitional zone where it goes from all talus and scree down to once again, more of the grassy slopes, but no trees. And then you get a little bit lower and then you start getting some trees as well. But like Carrie said, these are just forever long switchbacks um, or at least they feel like it at the time. And I'm looking here on my phone, just trying to see like um, the there was link. one switchback. I mean, Maybe that's only a quarter mile long, but that is a long switchback. And there were just, um, honestly, I'm looking at this picture. We'll, well post I think it. The most, there are a yeah. million of them. It's the, like the Walter's Wiggles or whatever yeah. and Angel's Landing. Oh, my god. The gosh. most relevant thing, I think, is that we went from 8,800 8, feet of elevation to 6,800 6, feet of elevation yeah. in five miles. Yeah. That's a crazy long time to do 2,000 feet. Like, I'm sure going up that, it'd be like, oh, am I even going up yet? It probably would feel great. (laughs) But going down that, you're just like, "Uh, I'm still going down, it seems. And it's like, you can see the spot, like, in Mm -hmm. the valley where you know you're going to be, but you can never get there because it's like the hamster wheel concept because you just got to keep zigzagging. And so that was... It was a little frustrating, but it's yeah. fine. And I think fortunately too, it was so beautiful. There was waterfalls. Oh there was flowers. Yeah. There was granite views. We could see where we were going to be. Like everything was so pretty. Yeah. So it made it a little bit easier on the eyes. A visual feast. And reflecting you know? on it, I'm like, wow, I kind of would I like to go, go back. back. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm like looking at the pictures out of the corner of my eye, and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that was pretty. (laughs) So that may be on the list for a repeat for us, actually. Honestly. When we finally got off the switchbacks, it was just like a celebratory moment because 
hours of our life were yeah. finally passed and we could do something different than just like kind of like just like go back and forth in place in the same geographic area. Yeah. So I think at this point we junctioned with a river, um, perhaps the Wallow River. I yeah. don't know. But we sat um, there for lunch and I remember it was lunch. very pretty. This yeah. was the first time we ever had tuna on a tortilla ever, ever, ever. Oh, yeah. So it was the beginning of an era. Yeah. Oh I think we we're God. kind of like, how do we do it? <laughs> and I think that was when I really learned about how if you when you bring tuna, you need to have this was when we still brought like one giant gallon Ziploc bag that we would put oh. all our trash in. And that gets really gross for tuna. So I would yeah. say the thing that we always do um, and does it use a lot of plastic bags? Yes. But we always for every day that we're going to have tuna, we will bring our packet of tuna and then two tortillas. So one for each of us and a Ziploc bag. And then that way your tuna immediately goes in that Ziploc bag. And so if you get a hole or like every day when you're adding more trash, you don't have to get like that hideous whiff of tuna from three days ago. So that was actually another mo- mistake. But like just thing that we didn't know about when we were on that trail is yeah. sometimes it's better to bring your your stuff pre-portioned in a bag than to... Like, cause we, I think we still were doing our oatmeal still in their container. Yeah. Now we take oh. our oatmeal from like, you know, if it was in a single serve packet, we pour it from the packet into a Ziploc bag. And then we can use that Ziploc bag for any other trash, like our, yeah. our Starbucks via packets. And that just tends to be a very efficient way to pack in a bear canister yeah. and also a way to kind of minimize a huge trash bag that can get disgusting. And I think we were so just kind of like exhausted from our never ending descent that as soon as we got to the river, we were like, this is a great spot yeah. to eat our lunch. Good as any filter water. And it was cold. And at this point, the yeah, water was actually cold. That was, was the only spot that I remember. Yeah. It was cold. nice and cold. And so we rested there for a good amount of time and then we packed back up and headed up trail. Like, yeah. That was the first time I also had electrolytes on trail. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Big day for Carrie. Yeah. I, Molly used to get these electrolytes that oh. tasted like horse urine. <laughs> and I was like, nah, I don't need them that bad. But then we found, I want to say, I think we had noon. One of Rachel's noon. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. But that was when we had some Aww, noon, so. Go ahead. We're growing and learning <laughs> yeah. in 2021. Aww, little baby. Uh, and so we got back on trail and then we hit the beginning of this most just beautiful valley um, where now there's towering granite peaks on both sides. The wildflowers were just so intense and it was just this lush green area with grass and wildflowers. And then the contrast of the granite on either side, Mm -hmm. the sun was out in full force. The sky was incredibly blue. And I was like, why didn't we take our lunch break here? Isn't that (laughs) funny? But then we did take a break because Rachel needed to use the bathroom. (laughs) And this was just one of the moments that I love because we have a picture of her in this beautiful valley holding our huge herkin trowel that we used to bring <laughs> we, we had, had a-, a garden trowel like you use for like potting plants and that's what we used to bring i swear it probably weighed like a pound and so we all shared that trowel um but it's just like such a funny photo it's like her this beautiful meadow and obviously she found a different place to use the restroom and, the and then like the trowel so oh it's kind of an gosh. iconic uh, moment on trowel <laughs> and i remember at this point we like crossed this brook and then we started another series of ascents we were heading up towards Glacier Lake. So we crossed this brook and I just remember once again, the amount of the, just like the greenery around Mm -hmm. us being so powerful um, and just rounded the corner and kind of started venturing uphill towards Fraser Lake. And I feel like as we're going up to Fraser Lake, so is that Fraser Lake and then Glacier Lake? Is that how it goes? Yeah. And Fraser Lake, I mean, so number one, uh, because again, all trails had led us astray, all trails. Um, we thought it was going to be how many miles total? Like we 12 and a half. 12 mile day. And it ended up being 14 like 14.7. Yeah. So 
because we'd had to delay our start because of the lightning, um, it was already getting a little later in the day. And so we, I think, talked briefly, like, do we want to stay oh, at yeah, Fraser Lake? Because that. one of the things we planned to do, we were planning to summit Eagle Cap uh, the following day. And so we always knew, like, if we needed to adjust our itinerary, oh. we could always nix that part of the trail and then we could shorten it to continue on. And another thing I liked about this trail is the amount of kind of bailout points because now we had joined the West Fork Wallowa Trail. Mm -hmm. And so that's a way that you could get back to the trailhead if you needed to. Yeah. So if we had an emergency or something. But were you going to say at Fraser Lake? Oh, at Fraser yeah. Lake, there were just a lot of people camping already. And it was maybe four in the afternoon yeah. at that point. And it seemed like every single campsite was full. And so I get this like an anxiety about not being able to find a campsite and I think it goes all the way back to when we walked and uh, it was on the Pacific Crest Trail in the Goat Rocks. That and hadn't happened yet. Oh, it had. You're had, right. Yeah. yeah, sorry. And we couldn't find a campsite yeah. until like 9.30 p.m. Yeah. as the sun set. We finally found a spot to pitch our yeah. tent. And so I was kind of like, oh, no. So we're we already it, yeah. late. We're already late. And getting into what we call Nanny Ridge mode. Which, which is where is... Molly is just powering unbelievably fast <laughs> uphill. No concern for the feelings of others. Because but... I need to find a campsite. So then I also felt nervous because as we went up that pass from Fraser to Glacier, Lake, you could see the clouds were rolling in and it's yeah. like you knew another thunderstorm was coming i didn't want to have to stop and like shelter in place on that random pass i didn't yeah. want to go back down to fraser i just wanted to get to glacier so lake we started to really turn up the speed yeah. element but i will say that area was so unbelievably beautiful wow. i think it's called fireweed that really tall pink flowers but I actually did stop and pull my phone out and take a video, which like is a testament to how beautiful that area was because we were cruising and I like still in my memories just can't believe how beautiful that little section and was. And so from Fraser Lake up to Ice Lake, we had about a thousand feet of gain mm -hmm. and we went from about 7,100 feet up to about 8,100 feet, which is where Glacier Lake was. Yeah. And Carrie mentioned it was so beautiful. And one thing I loved was as we ascended up, we kind of had to weave our way through rocks on mm -hmm. the trail and there were these just hunks of granite these boulders like which white. i don't know if they would be considered glacial erratics yeah. but there were just these white rocks just like dotting the landscape that were massive and it just it was just gorgeous wow and it's funny because i feel like that somehow was just like such a formative moment on trail for me that i there have been several things that have happened on trail before where i'm like this feels like i'm almost back in the willowas and technically like it's the scenery? like well like that like push up okay, and sure. the and the rocks and then I'll be like, that's so funny that I'm like, wow, the Wallawas. And I'm in a place like the Sierras or like yeah. Lake Tahoe where it's, yeah. it should be like, it should be way better scenery, but it's actually just so cool there. So we were getting closer to um, Glacier Lake mm -hmm. and I feel like we were like right at the outlet. Yeah. And did it start to thunder? Yeah. We're like, <laughs> so we were just booking it. Like we were just continuously scanning for a spot to pitch a tent and I think what did we, I think that there was like maybe a little bit of thunder on the horizon, scanning everywhere. A lot of spots have already had a tent pitched. Mm -hmm. We found this one area, which was, you know, you could tell people have been camping there. So did we start to pitch our tents at that point? Um, I think that, well, so like, or did we just I sit think there? we all, so it was thundering. So we were all just kind of hunkered down yeah. and it was windy. And I think that we had maybe not fueled well enough that day. So we were like kind of feeling a little sick to our stomachs. 
because we've just been like pushing and pushing. Yeah. So I think we just did like a time period where we kind of sat and I vividly feel like I was like eating so much stuff out of the bear can. <laughs> I think that this is back when we brought sometimes the Nutella to go sticks. Oh, and so I you love were having those. You were having the Nutella to go <laughs> and I was having like my first round of the sour gummy pears. <laughs> and um, so it was just like a weird time where we're all hunkered down and the wind was super cold yeah. and so night two, we can't wait to swim in Glacier Lake, right? Because oh it is my beautiful. It's, it's clear. Beautiful. No giant dead fish. There's an inlet oh. and like an outlet. So you feel like the water's cleaner. There's like a and little island. There's islands. And um, of course, the water's actually warm there. <clears throat> it's literally warmer than like the ambient temperature because everything's so cold and windy. Yeah. But it's like, oh, there's a thunderstorm <laughs> coming in. So I guess I'm probably not going to get in there. And actually, I think that this week they had some very severe storms in the town of like Joseph and the surrounding areas where actually like they had some flooding. And because I think mom was texting me or sending me messages on the inreach being like, uh, they say like that you guys could be getting like two inches in the next hour. And I was just like, <laughs> it's not even and we don't even have our tent set up. But then it just kind of felt like we could literally watch it break around us which was such a blessing like it stayed on the other side of eagle cap and just like you could see it like hitting through there and on our side it was just kind of like some unpleasant loud thunder at eight thousand feet oh my god but um everything was fine yeah so once the storm had kind of rolled through um, we decided that we were going to look for a different campsite because the one that we thought we'd found was super rocky. So you couldn't get a stake to drive in and we didn't really know how to pitch our tent with rocks at that time. So, and plus it had been windy. I'm thinking in my mind, it might be as windy as last night again. And it was kind of like this like stair stepped, I think tent site where one tent would be lower and the other one would be higher. And it would be one of the highest things in the general yeah. area. And we it's knew like, that a thunderstorm. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Who's going to be struck by lightning? <laughs> so we decided we'd look somewhere else. Yeah. And um, honestly, it was starting to get dark already. It's kind of evening. Yeah. And we were looking around. And I, I we just weren't really finding a good spot to pitch a yeah. tent. And honestly, this is technically one of our leave no trace mistakes that we just didn't know about, right? Yeah. Um, so it ended up the only spot that we could find to camp was kind of a meadowy area. And honestly, I think probably some people had camped there before. I'm not clear on if there are established campsites in the Wallawas or not. I don't really think there are. I think you're just supposed to generally understand the rules. And so we did pitch our tents in a meadow. Not like a wildflower meadow, but just a a grassy area. Not really a durable surface. And you should pitch on a durable surface. We didn't know. And you know what? We pitched our tent there. And it's not like uh, we can change that. So (laughs) it already happened. But now we know differently. Now you know differently. Um, so anyway, we pitched our tents and it was so cold because of like the wind. And yeah. I just remember like, it's so funny because our pants, we had them like flapping outside our tent <laughs> and we'd put on like our long pants, which I don't even know what we wore back then for long pants. I think it was just like, like um, sweatpants. No, oh, like my Nike. no, for me, I wore, I brought leggings and a thick pair of sweatpants that I wore on top of them. And it kind of worked <laughs> okay. Do like a weight calculator. Oh like we gosh. add up the milk. My 80 pound pack. The one pound trowel <laughs> carries um, big old sweatpants. Wow. Oh, I bought them but, from JCPenney's in high school for yeah, $15. Yeah, and they <laughs> served you well. <laughs> so yeah, we got our tents pitched. It was just really chilly. Yeah. Uh, we ate our supper together. And then we once again yeah. went out in search of a tree to hang our oh my God. bear hang on. 
And uh, honestly, the videos and photos I have from this trip are just amazing. It was dark at this point, yeah. and we had our headlamps on, and here I am again, <laughs> swinging, whipping around a rock, and trying to just get it up there. And it's like an evergreen tree. Yeah. That's like the only it's like, one that's I feel like around. it came, like, was spinning back and hitting you, and I was videotaping because it was so funny to watch. Uh, Again, people don't seem to just intuitively know how to, um, they're, we're not, we weren't really born with the knowledge of how to do a bigger Honestly, game. I think I looked into it a little bit before this trip, oh, and you. it was just like, be careful, otherwise you might leave your bag up there and never be able to get it back oh, down. Oh, I think you were really scared of that. And I was really yeah. scared of that, so we tried our best, and... Rachel helped as best as she could Which, as well. Which, by the way, on the Tahoe Rim Trail, we saw a bear bag that somebody was never able to get back down. Do you remember that? I do. We were, like, just setting up our campsite in that area that was semi-creepy. And I remember I looked up, and there was a bear, hag- a bear, ha- a bear bag hanging. Yeah. And I was like, that feels eerie. Yeah, it was eerie. Yeah. So, yeah, we got it all situated, and then crawled into our tents and i don't think we had any more thunderstorms that and i will say one thing that was super nice was we had a nice time for dinner the sunset was so pretty like we were still having a good time this is just one of those days that was a long day thank god we finally got to our tent site and yeah it was just another um exciting day in oregon's alps and we were gonna summit uh eagle cap the next day and kind of a cool foreshadowing um is that you could see it from our where we pitched our tents and i don't even know if i had realized it at the time no i think we were just like look at those beautiful peaks what are they oh my gosh and then we were gonna find out the next day (laughs) thank you so much for listening to another episode of the two Two sisters Sisters on adventures Adventures Podcast. podcast As always, if you'd like to see any photos or videos from the things that we talked about today, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Two Sisters on Adventures. And if you want to watch our video YouTube podcast, (laughs) you can also find us on YouTube. And we also have a website now, actually. So you can also check that out at twosistersonadventures.com. So anyways, thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye.